Jamie Finn here, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Today, I am talking to my friend Lisa Qualls, my dear friend, and the mother of 12 children, yes, 12, through biology and adoption, and the co-author, along with Dr. Karen Purvis, of the upcoming book, The Connected Parent. I loved getting to just talk a little bit about Lisa's story and her journey into adoption, but then I had such a great time really digging into The Connected Parent. And we talk a lot about trauma on this podcast, but we really get a little more specific about what it looks like to parent our children who've experienced trauma and what it looks like to apply some of the principles of the book. We had such a great conversation. I love getting to connect with my friend. I love getting to share her wisdom with you. I hope you enjoy this episode, episode 41 of The Real Mom Podcast with my friend, Lisa Qualls. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you, Jamie. It's so nice to talk with you. I know. I love any time I get to connect with a friend, not just have a formal discussion, but chat with my friend. I appreciate it too. Yeah. So this is the only time I've actually had someone on the show for the second time. I feel so honored. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and it's for a reason, a really great, exciting reason. I have been waiting for this book. Well, I've been waiting for this book even since before I knew it was going to be written, basically. (laughs) But you are the author of The Connected Parent, the new book that is being released by you and Dr. Karen Purvis posthumously. So really the book we've been waiting for with the addition of just your wisdom and voice, I am so excited about it. It is really a gift to have more from Dr. Purvis after, you know, we all lost her, our community lost her. And I think none of us, most people had no idea this was coming and we couldn't really talk about it until we had the contract signed. And, you know, and we, After she passed away, you know, I wanted to be really sensitive to her family and make sure sure that they still wanted this book published, but she wanted it published. She was working hard on it up until a month before she passed away. Mm. So she really wanted it published. And I'm, I'm of course, just incredibly honored that I got to be the one to do it with her. Yeah. I remember telling my sisters who are both foster and adoptive moms, my friend is writing the book. (laughs) With Dr. Karen Purvis. So I'm like pulling your name, dropping your name. I can't imagine how you feel. Well, I feel really like almost giddy. Like it yeah. finally happened. Now you have to understand we started writing in 2012. Like this was such a long road. Oh my goodness. With her having cancer. Sure. Twice, and, you know, we're in a terrible accident and lost our daughter. And, yeah. you know, actually at that point, after our accident, I really didn't know if I'd ever be able to finish the book. I didn't mm. know if I'd, because I had a lot of physical healing to do from the car accident and just mentally and spiritually and emotionally, I just didn't know. But right. Then it kind of, I think a fire kind of lit in me and I thought, I need to finish this for my daughter, Kelki Dunn. I mean, she's the reason that we learned so much of this. Right, right. And I just wanted to finish in honor of her. I love that. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I know your story and you and about your family. But in case anyone hasn't met you yet, can you introduce yourself and your family to our listeners? 
Yes. Well, my name is Lisa Qualls. I live in North Idaho. It's very beautiful where I live. And my husband, Russ, and I, we have 12 children all together. And we adopted, I, well, one of them was born when I was a young teen. That's a whole story there. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually a birth mother in addition to having more kids biologically and becoming an adoptive mother. So Which that is story. a, I want to have you on sometime just to go through that story because I've always known that about you, but mm-hmm. was it this past fall, we were at the same conference and mm-hmm. I got to hear you actually tell from beginning to end your story as a birth mother and and former foster youth and yes. just so beautiful. I mean, your heart is beautiful, but also just God's God's story through it. I think that's the real miracle here is that God, you know, he captured me. He rescued mm. me when I was a young pregnant teen and everything changed. My life changed so dramatically you mm. know, when I came to know him. And yeah, he's woven adoption through my life in ways I could never have dreamed <laughs> So yes, so I had my son when I was quite young. We did reunite when he was 16, which is another miracle story. But before that, Russ and I got married. We had seven children by birth. And then some friends of ours called to tell us that they were going to adopt from Ethiopia. And literally, I feel like something cracked open in my heart. And I just began to see this vision for what our future could hold. I mean, I was at a point with my kids, I was homeschooling seven kids. And this, well, I was, I mean, some of them were older now in college. If anyone ever had an excuse to be like, oh, I have my hands full. I don't think that this is in the cards for us. It would be you. Well, and I found myself thinking my youngest was three. And I thought, I think God's going to do something in my life. I actually thought I was going to go back to school. And then this adoption thing happened. Like my heart just opened and I thought, you know what? I'm just poured into being a mom. I can be a mom to more. Hmm. And my heart was truly broken for the number of orphans, true orphans in Ethiopia. Hmm. And Russ came on board and changed our whole lives. Yeah. And we adopted four children. We initially set out to adopt two little boys and ended up learning that the little girl we were sponsoring at an orphanage for children living with HIV, that she was available to be adopted and that her orphanage was hoping we were going to adopt her, which we had no idea. This was back in 2006. And honestly, I knew very little about HIV at that time. Mm. So we had to do a little crash course in education. And then we decided, I think the Lord just compelled us, deeply compelled us to adopt her. And then while we were there, we met another little girl and went back a year later for her. So that's the grand total. That is quite a grand total. And then of course, you are a foster mom as well. So that number even changes from there. And that was another surprise. Yeah. You know, know, I was doing some volunteer work in our community, trying to establish a foster care ministry at my church. And through that, I became connected with some of the caseworkers and they had a a teen girl who needed a place for a night. And we know how that goes. Well, the funny thing was I had a phone call with our mutual friend, Mike Berry, and Russ was there and I was telling him about this. And he said, whatever they tell you, add three years. And And it turned out she stayed two and a half years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love the one night to two and a half years. Yes. Yep. Okay. So what we all know as foster and adoptive moms is what you brought into your home was precious children who became yours and you loved them. But also I'm sure 
and a certain amount of trauma was invited into your home at the same time. And so invite us onto the journey of you becoming educated, learning what it looked like to parent through that. And I'm guessing that even intersects with your meeting and relationship with Dr. Purvis. Yes, it does. Well, first of all, I thought we were very prepared. Sure. My background was in mental health. I'd been a mom for 20 years. I had a ton of experience. Yeah. I read all the books. Yeah. We went to a special training just for families adopting from Ethiopia, you know, all this stuff. Funny thing, I remember reading Attaching and Adoption by Deborah Gray. And I remember thinking, wow, I am so glad there are people out there who can help families like that. <laughs> and she became my kid, our therapist, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I think I, I knew it was going to be very hard work. I knew, yeah. I knew it was going to take time. But I definitely thought, with God's help, we had what it was going to take. You know? Sure. And even so. did you feel like I have felt before where it's a put in the hard work and the results will come? This right. assumption that you do it the right way and the right thing will happen. Right. And I kept searching for the right way, you know, and sure. I can remember literally sitting on the floor by my bookcase and pulling off all these adoption books and searching and trying to find practical help. And I remember thinking that all these professionals, they were wonderful. I mean, what a gift they are to all of us. Yeah. But they were not living my life. They yeah, were yeah. not in my home feeling the intense overwhelm and the fear that I had, you know, because we did adopt older children and we experienced a lot of very, very challenging behaviors. Mm. And so in my searching for help, one of my blog readers, you know, I'd been blogging since before we brought our kids home. And one of my readers contacted me and said, have you ever heard of Karen Purvis and the connected child? And, you know, it was still fairly new okay. at that time. And I remember reading the book and learning a lot of great things. But what really changed things for me was finding some old videos of Dr. Purvis, where mm. she was teaching at just a small conference. And I just remember watching her and crying and thinking, she has hope. She believes my children can heal. Hmm. And I don't know that I have that hope right now, but I'm going to grab hold of hers and I'm going to hold on because we were so desperate for help and for change. And it was right around the time of our 25th wedding anniversary. And Russ and I were, I don't know how it even, we pulled it off, but we were going to go away to a house in Montana. And I told him, I said, okay, there's just one thing I need you to do. I need you to watch these three videos of Dr. Purvis with me. And I remember him saying, that's not exactly what I had in mind. Right. But okay. <laughs> but seriously, we watched them and we both cried. Hmm. You know? And she gave us hope. And so after that, I went back and reread The Connected Child and I just studied it. And through that, I started writing about her more. I ended up meeting her and Michael Monroe, who started Michael and Amy Monroe. They started Empowered to Connect with Dr. Purvis. And I got to meet them at a conference and through that formed a relationship with them and started writing for them for Empowered to Connect and later spoke with them at conferences. And that's where I got to know Karen really was speaking. And, you know, she was amazing. And I, I had this idea for a book. Thought, yeah. Wouldn't it be so great to have a book written by a real parent actually doing yeah. this, trying to do this alongside all of her explanations about why we're even trying to do what we're doing. Right. 
And I, I presented it to her and she said, yes. And so that was 2000, I think 12. I know we started writing in 2012. Okay. Yeah, that's the story. Well, and I love the idea of it because not just the idea of it. I love the execution of it. I love the book, but I love the heart behind it because what it acknowledges is that education in and of itself has its limitations, even really practical education, because as much as professionals may care for the children that they're seeking to help, they don't love them the way that we do. They don't live with it 24 hours a day the way that we do. Right. And it can be easy, I think, to have ideas and know what works in theory, but to not have the experience of what it's like to live in that and to not have a break from it and to have your emotions and your heart all tied up in it the way that mm-hmm. we do, it's just, they're limited. As much as they have what we don't have, they are limited. And I think in their efforts to help us, sometimes they place a heavy burden on our shoulders. Hmm. And we are already so weighed down by the needs of our children. And then to have a professional give us advice that is so complicated. Sure. You know, that puts a heavy burden on parents. And the other thing that I think is different for us as parents is that When our child, let's say we have a child who's completely out of control and we're trying to manage this crisis, my brain is going to the future. Like if this looks like this now and my child's seven, what is 17 going to look like? Yes. Is my child going to be in jail? Is our whole family going to be destroyed, you know? Yes. So we are not only trying to implement really good parenting. Right, right, right. We're trying to calm ourselves, put our trust in God. Right. Know that this is this is one day and we're going to get through it, you know. So I tried very hard in the connected parent to communicate to to other fellow moms and dads out there that we're not going to do this perfectly. We're just Yeah. Not. And you know what, even when we do, our kids may not respond the way we hope. It's just Right. You know, they are people. They are humans. We are human. We're all just doing our best. And our children are actually doing their best Hmm. when it doesn't look like it. They really are. And they're, you know, they come with so much trauma and so much wounding and their little brains are casting about trying to figure it out just like ours are. Right. Right. So I tried to really encourage parents, you know, take what works for you and don't worry about the rest. Yeah. I love that compassion. I love that coming alongside it. Even, I, I'm not attempting to call you an older woman right now, but well, I am. I'm much compared older to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you have kids who are about my age. Yes. As as much as I love you and we're sweet friends, yeah, it makes me think of Titus too, and just the older women teaching the younger women. Mm-hmm. And there's so much of this journey that is me stumbling through, kind of figuring stuff out as I go. And even taking in education from professionals, you're still just stumbling through it. To me, this book and you and just your ministry and your heart is, is that older woman walking with me through that. And I think that's the difference between the connected parent, this book, and the connected child, Dr. Karen Purvis's book before, is that this brings 
that I'm coming alongside of you with my experience and my compassion, my heart for you. And knowing you and your just tender heart, I sense that throughout the book. And that is a gift, I think, to parents who, like you said, are, are weary and exhausted and fearful. Right. Right. And you know, not only did I learn a ton from Dr. Purvis and all the other professionals, but even before we adopted, I'd been parenting 20 years. Sure. And and although my children were, for the most part, neurotypical, you know, you learn a lot. Sure. um, Even of kids that you birth. And so I do think, I hope that some of that wisdom and experience comes through in the book as well. And that it's, and then I'm mixing in, you know, adding in all this other. Yeah education and knowledge that I've gained over the years. Yeah. So I love, you said before the, you know, professionals come and everything is just kind of complex and complicated. And, and this book is not that this book is simple in its explanations and simple in its applications as well. So I was wondering if we could kind of go through some of those things a little bit. I want to get practical because we talk about trauma. We talk about it all the time on this podcast and in our communities, but sometimes it can feel like, okay, yeah, we know that our kids have experienced trauma. We know that trauma changes the brain. So now what? And what I love about this book is it explains how you know, insecure attachment and trauma does affect our children, but it doesn't just leave you there. (laughs) It really gives practical tools. So I want to talk a little bit. One thing that I love in the book and that Dr. Purvis has taught me for the past 10 years is the idea of scripts. Yes. And so I love how you actually wrote out scripts and actually gave applications for them And so I want to talk through a little bit of what it can look like to use someone else's language and come with a plan to some of our kids' behaviors. Well, I think the beauty of scripts is, I mean, I don't know about you, but I can remember things happening in my home and thinking, my brain was so tired. I was thinking, what do I say? Wait, wait, what do I say? What did I read about? You know, and the thing about scripts is they give us short phrases to communicate what we need to, to our children, you know, to guide them into more optimal behavior. And so, you know, our children, if they are at all dysregulated, their ability to process language is greatly diminished. Right. And many of us parents will tend to talk a lot. Right. And we give our kids all these words and before long, you know, they can't even, they have no idea what we're saying. And so when we use a script it gives the child something that they're familiar with. They know what it means because yeah. you've said it many times. You've maybe practiced it even, and they can process it. And it actually builds trust because you have shared language. Hmm. You know? And I think the scripts, yes, we give a list that you can use. And I used a lot of Dr. Purvis's, but actually every family can develop their own. Absolutely. Their own things that they tend to say that can become a script too. So, you know... There's so many. I, I can hear Dr. Purvis in her beautiful Texan yeah. voice saying, um, let me see your beautiful eyes. Yeah. And the reason we say that is we want to get our children to look at us so that we can connect with them because mm-hmm. we know eye contact is so important and it's really, really hard for a lot of children. But when we say, hey, let me see your beautiful eyes, they'll tend to look. And another therapist I learned, she would just say to the child, no matter where they were, she would say, look right here. And she would tap between her eyebrows. 
the child cannot help but say, what, where does she want me to look? Right, and, right. And, and then you get their eyes for a moment. You can say, oh, I love your beautiful eyes, you know. And I don't say it the way Karen did. I mean, she <laughs> had her beautiful way. But that's a really useful, simple, simple script, you know. Another one, try that again with respect. Yeah. I use that one more probably than any other script, and I'm still using it because yeah. I, have, I have middle schoolers, you know. <laughs> And, and what it says to them, like whatever they've said to me, if I just say, hey, and I say it lighthearted, hey, try that again with respect. Yep. It gives them an opportunity to do it again in a totally non-punitive way. It's just a do-over. It's like, hey, let's try that again. I know you can do this. And that's the other thing is I think it communicates to the child, I know you can do this. Right. I have confidence in you. So let's just try it again. Right. You know? All right, friends, I'm interrupting our conversation to ask you to do me a favor. And really, it's not a favor for me. It's a favor for our future listeners. Pause this episode and revisit your podcast app. There you can rate and review this show. Now, this isn't about me getting happy words from you. This is about other people being able to find this. Other biological foster and adoptive moms who can learn from our guests. So if you could do that quickly, that will help those moms to be able to find us. This episode is brought to you by Goods and Better, goods and gear on a mission. Goodsandbetterstore.com is where you can find shirts, prints, jewelry, and other goods that are specific to the journey of foster care and adoption. And major bonus, every purchase benefits a child entering foster care. Through Goods and Better's Buy It Forward program, you get to choose your impact and allocate where you want your donation to benefit. Whether it's luggage for a child entering foster care or baby essentials for a brand new baby, you get to choose where your money goes. Visit goodsandbetterstore.com to look through the array of designs that are made just for you with the mission of providing essentials for children entering foster care. Visit goodsandbetterstore.com and use code REALMOM to save 10% on your entire order. That's goodsandbetterstore.com, code REALMOM. Yeah, it's funny because looking through that list, I don't ever remember sitting down and working to memorize a list of scripts. And yet every one of them are my language with my kids every day. Mm-hmm. And I think it you can memorize them. You can even better pay attention to the things that are happening in your home mm-hmm. and what works and what doesn't. I mean, any of us would learn the hard way that yelling across the house at your kids is never really going to be productive. It's right. not going to get the results you want. You're not <laughs> going to be talking probably with the patience and love that you want. And but just stopping and going, wait, so how do I handle when my kid says, I want dinner? Mm-hmm. Well, are we going to launch into a minute long discussion of all the things that we do and why they should be grateful and how they should, or do we say, Hey, let's try that again with respect. And it's right. just this easy going, I'm on your team. I'm on your yes. side. Mm-hmm. And I love whether we memorize them or not, having language that everyone knows what it means and what to expect. So I think you could be tempted to say, okay, let me memorize this. But maybe an even better thing is to step back and go, what are the issues in my day? And what are the phrases we can create that we all just know what they mean? Right, right. So we, one of them that my family uses that wasn't from uh, Dr. Purvis is calm it down. Mm -hmm. You know, like when things are starting to ramp up, 
And it's funny because that was from a hilarious YouTube video where they say, calm it down, calm it down, calm it down. And so we just started saying it. Yep, whatever works. Yeah. And so when everybody's getting a little ramped up, I'm like, hey, guys, calm it down. Mm -hmm. And they know exactly what I'm saying. So instead of me saying, hey, you guys are getting a little wild and out of control and it's getting way too loud in here. And if you're going to play like that, you you know, I just say, hey, calm it down. Exactly. Right. And I think... These things also acknowledge our temptation to getting angry and being frustrated and wanting to preach at and fix. And so I think it it helps our kids, but it also helps our hearts in parenting to not go the way we may typically go when our kids have really destructive or hard behaviors. Yes, I totally agree. All right. I want to flirt with a little bit because we don't have enough time to obviously fully dive into attachment, but... Can you walk me through what it was like for you to bring children into your home? A number of them were older children and to start on the journey of building attachment Mm -hmm. and what it looked like even for you to consider your own attachment style and how that came in to your parenting as well. Well, and that is one thing that's special about this book is we actually have a whole chapter on sort of reflecting on ourselves, but in a totally non-judgmental way. Mm. Because I think when I first started getting this message, well, your kids don't have secure attachment because that's not your attachment style. Mm. So there's something wrong with you. I was like, I am already weighed down by my own feelings of failure. I really can't handle more is how I would feel. Right. And so we have a chapter about just gently reflecting, you know, because when we know more about our attachment style, I think we can look at what are the things that trigger me? What are the things that my children may do that put me into a, a bit of an unreasonable emotional space? And a lot of times we can go back and think about, well, this is how my relationship was with my parent who may have loved me and done his or her very, very best. Sure. But our parents weren't perfect either. So sure. you know, we have a whole chapter on that. But when we brought our children home, so our four children from Ethiopia, one was a baby. He was like five months old. One was two. One was five and a half. And one was 10. So very, very, actually all very different stages. Like it's easy to think, well, the two-year-old and the baby were similar. Well, no, yeah. the toddler is very different. Yeah, yeah. With an infant. And I think I was I was pretty overwhelmed, honestly, because three of them came home at once. But I had to just really focus on building trust. And part of building trust was being calm Hmm. and doing a lot of nurture, a lot of nurture and lots of rocking in a rocking chair. Seriously, Hmm. I must have rocked hours and hours and hours with my kids. And But also, nurture came pretty naturally to me, but I also had to learn how to put enough structure in place for them Mm. to feel really safe. Because children who have experienced trauma and neglect and abuse, they are so fearful. And even though it may not look like fear, it might look like anger, it might look like control. I love that. I want everyone to hear that. Hear that. (laughs) Fear does not always look like fear. It often looks like really angry, mean. Yeah. Yes, it does. I used to say that Calcadon had a river of fear running through her veins. Mm. And that's really when I could get past the volatility and Mm. really realize 
oh, this is, this is deep fear. Like when she was out of control about food, like Dr. Purvis said, she literally felt like she was going to starve to death because she had experienced starvation. Yes, right. You know? And she, when she felt that feeling of hunger again, it took her brain way down into you know, the lower parts of her brain into yeah, yeah. all-out fear. Yeah. And what we saw on the outside was a child who could not wait two minutes to eat or who had to grab other kids' food or who would sit at the table and say, we're going to run out, we're going to run out, you know? And, but really deep, deep in her, it was yeah. all fear. And so we had to focus on just alleviating fear and building trust. Yeah. So when you just talked about building and structure, I think the critique that I typically have when I read books like this is, oh yeah, that's a great idea if you had one child. Mm-hmm. You smashed that for me because you already had seven and then you brought home four. So much of trauma-informed care is very specific to each child's specific needs and struggles. Mm-hmm. I have three kids who I feel like all need to be the top priority and need all my attention. Talk to the mom who's parenting more than just one child who has these needs. And what did it look like for you to build in structure when you had 11 people to consider? Well, fortunately, a number of my children were becoming young, young adults. Yeah. And teens, but honestly, they lost me. For a long time. And they'll, mm. they'll talk about that now. And actually, I'm already working on my second book and it's about siblings and their experience, yeah. you know, but yeah, the needs were so heavy. And honestly, I would say Russ's career took a real hit mm. years because I needed him so much, mm. especially because I was dealing with aggression and really, really big explosive things. And I couldn't do it by myself. And, you know, some of my older kids had to help a lot, which, gosh, it makes me sad thinking back, you know, Mm. but we were all just doing our best. We really, really were. But I had to carve out, you know, put in place things like simple routines and rhythmic kind of rituals. Like what did bedtime look like? Well, it looked the same every single night. Yeah. And Calcadon before she, you know, she couldn't read or anything. So hanging up a schedule wasn't really going to work. And so, you know, pictures, this is what we do first in the morning. And this is what we do next. And at dinner time, she would ask us every night, I eat? And we'd say, yes. And then she'd say, I brush teeth. And we'd say, yes, going to brush teeth, pajamas. You know, like hmm. she, she was trying to hold it all in her head. Yeah. And it was, she needed the reassurance that this was what was going to happen every single night and that daddy was going to read stories and he was going to pray with her. And, you know, fortunately we had a lot of that already in place. It just had to be taken up a big notch, you know? Yeah. Well, and something like routine would serve everyone. So that's one of those times where it just, it's so hard when you have behaviors where, all of your attention needs to be on that child. And the attention for the other kids ends up being like, go in your room and get on a screen and close your ears. <laughs> and, yes. and to be walking through that with a number of children at the same time can be like, everyone needs me to make them number one right now. And I'm not capable of doing that. Right. And I think that's where if Russ and I could, probably the saddest thing that we feel when we, re- we reflect back is how much our other children really suffer the loss of us. Because I think we were thinking, well, you know, they're okay. They're going to be fine. They're okay. And this wasn't a conscious thing, you know? Oh yeah. 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 But, but the needs of our new children were 
so much in front of us in yeah. our faces that we just, honestly, we were just doing our best. And we yeah. did in time create a team of people to help us. We needed, we could not do it by ourselves. It wasn't mm. possible with the needs of our kids. Mm. All right. So that brings me to the next thing I want to talk about, which is when you kind of come to the end of your rope and the end of the strategies. Like this book is a gift. It has practical tools. You will be better equipped to serve your children after reading this book. But then there's a certain point where it's the end of the day or it's the end of the rope and strategies don't matter anymore. You could give me the greatest strategies and I don't have the strength to do them. So what about just as a person, as a mom and a woman and a human learning to find some sort of health and wholeness through this? Well, we actually, the last chapter of the book is really about taking care of yourself. And I, and I tried to get beyond like the typical kind of stuff sure. and just really encourage women. And, you know, I had the real honor and blessing of getting to record my own audiobook. And that last chapter, I got so choked up mm. a couple times. We just had to stop recording because I like, I'm speaking to the mom saying, you know, this is so hard and I know it's hard, mm. you know, but that I want to encourage them, you know, and I think what we really need is we need community, yeah. non-judgmental community, at least one friend. One yeah. friend who you can be totally honest with, you know, who when you feel like you cannot go on or when you feel feelings about your child that you would never want to admit to anyone. That's so good. Yeah. We need at least one good friend. Yeah. To be honest with. And, and then if we can have more than that, you know, a little community and for a lot of us counseling, having a therapist. I mean, I don't think we all realize how, demanding this is going to be and right. the feelings it's going to bring up. And I think having a therapist is really important. And, you know, for Russ and I, whew, this is hard on a marriage, you mm. know? And so finding ways to keep ourselves together, even when it felt like everything else was falling apart. Yeah. So, and of course for us, Jesus, we just, yeah. you know, Somebody asked me, Russ and I just celebrated our 36th wedding anniversary. That's older than you, Jamie. And, <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And this young woman at this restaurant said to me, wow, what's your secret? And I paused for a minute. I said, Jesus, mm. he's the only way. <laughs> I, I don't know how else. Well, and that's what I love about you. And I hinted before the Titus II thing and the every older woman that I have had the privilege of being friends with and learning from, that is what I feel like they bring me. Yeah, mm -hmm. they give tips and they give examples, but then at the end they say, but it's all just God. And yeah, I wish I did this differently and I wish, but that's what God used to create our story. And just this, this decades of seeing God's faithfulness mm -hmm. and seeing Jesus carry you through you know, the death of your daughter and extreme yeah. loss and hardship for so many years and even just overwhelm for so many years for you to, even though you're still in it, but for you <laughs> to look back and say, oh, but Jesus, yeah. that is the gift that I think that you give and that this book gives more than just the feedback is the faith. Well, and I think, you know, it's probably important to point out that the book is actually not faith-based. Sure, sure. Want it 
everyone with foster parent training, but I think you'll see our hearts. Right. You know? I mean, you see Karen love the Lord. I love the Lord. I yeah. could not, I could not even be here today if it weren't for Jesus carrying us through all of this. And well, and I also don't us. know how you could give the lessons in this mm-hmm. without, I mean, the hope, right. I don't know what the hope is if it's not Jesus, but, right. but people are, are, you need to have hope for your children for this. And so I know that even though you're not saying the hope is Jesus, as right. you're pointing us to the hope for our children and how you can keep going and mm-hmm. all of those things come with the gospel motivation that I know that you hold, even Absolutely. though it's not explicit in the book. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, oh, I don't, I can't even imagine doing this without the Lord. Yeah. I'm so thankful that he chased me down. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And And that really life, you know, right. It's it's all his faithfulness at the end. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. All right. So I want to just talk a little bit about you as a person. I want to know what you're doing, eating, reading, watching, and listening to. So what are you doing? Well, right now, of course, I'm very busy with book launch, yeah. <laughs> but also probably one of the things I'm focusing right now is doing some physical therapy to rebuild some strength and deal with some injuries from our accident. All those, you know, it's been five years, but it takes a long time to recover. Wow. So you still are recovering physically from the accident? Well, yes. Yeah. Wow. And I, I, I think I just got to a place where I was ready to commit to do more. Sure. Know, more work on it. Yeah. Wow. Okay, what are you eating? Mm, well, the coolest thing, my daughter, who's 17, during all this COVID, decided to take over cooking. Dinner. I see. She's I'm, like cooking every I night. Know. So basically, I'm eating anything she'll cook for That's me. That's amazing. I'm so happy. Unfortunately, she's moving out in less than a month to get ready for college, but it's been such a gift right now. So we're grilling a lot. You know, it's hot, and but seriously, I will eat anything she makes. Well, and everyone knows that eating food that you didn't cook is objectively tastes better. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's been, it's been just a lovely gift. That's great. All right. What are you reading? I am reading a wonderful book. I'm not very far in. It's called Try Softer. Have you heard of it? Oh, I'm reading it too. Yes. Oh yeah. We talked about this on Instagram. It is. It's good. I'm reading it. It is good. I have a little group on Facebook called the Hope Circle, and it's all adoptive and foster moms, and we're reading it together and discussing it. I think it's really beautiful. And I do too. But I think it's going to be very kind of transformative for me. I mean, similarly to how I've been talking about the connected parent, it brings together these, you know, it's a professional who's writing the book, but it's very human. And so you get like the realities from the professional, but in a very just human way. And it's informed by, you know, a Christian, I wouldn't call it necessarily like a biblical teaching, but she comes with a Christian perspective. So, right, right. I would encourage anybody who has the mental space to read a book. Yeah. Yeah. Which I know a lot of us don't. Yeah. It's a good one. It's so good. good. Yeah. Okay. What are you watching? My kids are watching Veronica Mars. <laughs> and so I've been watching it with them. I've never seen it. Oh my and, goodness. Uh, Lisa, that is my, so that's my on repeat show. I have watched, that's my like, I'm, I'm home alone and folding the laundry mm-hmm. kind of show. <laughs> it's really fun. Are and you I, watching the old seasons? Yeah, we started at the beginning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And they, some of them have already seen the whole thing. It was one of those shows they binge watched over yeah. the time. 
but yeah, I'm watching it and it's a oh, lot of fun. Oh, I love it so much. I love yeah. it's, it's a silly teen show, but the dialogue is so smart. Yeah. yeah it's it such is. a smart show. I love it. <laughs> These are the blessings of being an older mom with yeah. a young kid. They, we always say they keep us young and tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. All right. So I approve of your book and you're watching. Very what good. are you listening to? Podcasts. Lots mm. of Enneagram podcasts. I just mm. got certified as an Enneagram coach. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah. We have to talk Enneagram sometime. Yes. I love it. Remind me what you what your number is. Oh, I was just thinking about it again this morning. I'm pretty sure I'm a three with a four wing, but I'm not entirely sure. There's a lot of two in me. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I've been thinking about it literally for years. I've been trying to figure it out. So, but I'm getting, it has helped me understand myself. Oh, absolutely. It's been great for our marriage. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, so good. And I love it. And I'm really excited to bring it into the adoption sphere, but I need to get my book out first. And then you know, through the Adoption Connection podcast yes. I do with my work partner. Yeah, I listened to the one where you had, oh my goodness. Jeff and Beth McCord. Yes, Beth McCord yes. and her husband. Yes, so yes. good. Yeah, so we did their program. They're your Enneagram coach and they're wonderful, very yeah. faith-based. And yeah, so that's what I'm probably listening to the most because I just want to just keep learning and learning and learning. Oh, I can't wait for you to take all of your experience in parenting and life, then all of your knowledge of trauma and trauma-informed parenting, and then bring in Enneagram, that will be such a unique combination of tools for ourselves and our kids. I'm so excited for that. Yes. Yeah, me too. We're just at the beginning of figuring all the amazing yeah. things out that we can do with this. But it's, Oh, I it's love coming. it. It's coming I soon. love it. All right, Lisa, you know, I could talk to you forever and I could talk about this book forever. Really, I'm just going to say, please read it. If you are a foster adoptive parent, if you have considered it, if you're a professional, this book will serve you. And I think we've been waiting for more from Karen Purvis, but you completed it. You just brought in your wisdom, your compassion, your love for children and moms and God. And it, it's just created this beautiful gift. And we're going to be giving away a few books on Instagram, at, which yes. I'm excited about because I want everyone to read it. But yes. thank you for, for this book. And thank you for the time with me today. I love yeah. anytime I get to connect with you. Me too. Thanks for your friendship. It's just been fun walking through the book journey and I can't wait for yours. Yay. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for listening to The Real Mom Podcast. You can find us in all the places, realmompodcast.com for our landing page, where we'll connect you to the guests and all the links and info from this episode. On Facebook, search Real Mom Podcast, and on Instagram, at Real Mom Podcast. Thanks for listening. This praise is to my king. You are the light in